I think that a lot of people hear their voice in their own head and it sounds different when it's recorded. And I totally get that. So yeah. you listen to your recorded voice and you're like, ooh, is that me? Ugh. Okay. Uh, I, I, you have to get used to it. As far as voiceover is concerned, there is a place for any voice. Really, there seriously mm. is. It just depends on what genre, what you want to do, what training you have, et cetera. There is a place for every voice. As, and I think that's the same thing stands for podcasting. I think that really it depends on what you want to say. And if you want to say it, then you have a passion behind your voice that people are going to key into. And it really doesn't matter what the sound of your voice is. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the dynamic and hilarious Jody Krangle. Jody Krangle is a Toronto-based voice actor who works with major brands all over the world, including Dell, BBVA, HGTV, Nespresso, and Kraft. She's been heard in thousands of your favorite commercials and your favorite brand websites, too. Her voice has been described as warm, friendly, and comforting with a hint of gravitas. And coupled with her years of professional work in sound, will take your project to the next level. On her own podcast, Audio Branding, she and her guests offer advice on making an impact with sound and how sound influences us, both in our buying decisions and in our daily lives. Being a sought-after voiceover talent, Jody understands the power of sound. Follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse. And check out her website at voiceoverandvocals.com. Jody, when I met you at PodFest, I already knew your name. I felt like I was hanging out with a celebrity. And then as I got to know you... Uh, more and more, I just knew that I had met my nerd soul sister. So it is an absolute pleasure to have you and your magnificent voice on the podcast today. And I get to ask <laughs> you the question, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Oh, my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here because this is a thrill. Uh, Yay! You are such a dynamic person and I just love talking with you. So uh, you. this is this is fantastic. So what should a small business focus on? Their sound. Their sound. Definitely. Whoa. Yes. So whatever you are doing, you likely have some forward facing thing that your audience, your clients, your customers see. So let them hear you, too. So either that could be your own voice. It could be someone that you hire to say nice things about you if you're doing a podcast or do your on hold. If you have someone uh, waiting on the phone line for your business, you know, think about the music that you're using. Think about the voice you use for those little mini uh, commercials that you put inside your on hold. Think about even if you're a public speaker, think about the music that you play before you come on stage. Yeah. These are these are things that that people connect with. So really what you're doing is you're giving them the ability to have an emotional connection with you. 
because people don't base they don't buy based on logic. They buy based on emotion. And if you don't give them the context for that emotion of who you are, it's really hard for people to connect. So I think your sound is really important. You just said the swooniest thing, which is the context of that emotion, right? So people ask me all the time if selling is manipulative. And I say yes. It's psychology. Exactly. And it's psychology in the same way that music is manipulative. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. If we watch a horror movie, the music and sound effects of that movie have been very deliberately chosen to provide context for Mm -hmm. the emotion in the way that you just said. Right. So we know that what we hear influences our emotional world. And so when I tell people, yes, we're going to use language that's going to evoke emotion, but we're doing that with consent. And similarly, when we're using audio, when we're talking to people or using music in this way, we're still doing that with consent, but we are creating the context I've never had the context for, the Mm -hmm. language for that you just nailed, the context Mm -hmm. for that emotion. We're providing a rich world for our work to live in. And I love the idea. I don't have a phone line, but if I did, I think with my OCD, I would be so anal about what old music I would have, but (laughs) it's so like, yes, that is prime real estate that I think a lot of businesses don't think about. And, and case in point, there was some commercial on TV the other day that had hold music on it. And at the exact same point, my husband and I went, that's our psychiatrist hold music. Like we knew it. Oh yeah. It's TD bank too. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 And both yeah. of us are like, we know that. Like, it's a part do, do, of the do, do, brand. Do, 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 oh, my God. Yes, we all know. Yes, right? we all we know all that music. Know <laughs> and if, like, wouldn't it be so much better if we were using that time mm-hmm. well? So if even if you're bringing somebody on to a webinar, what are you playing? Or you're ushering people into an episode. Like, I love the TLTQ theme song so much Mm -hmm. because it is a 1990s-esque bop, but it ushers in the context for that emotion. So, all right, already dropping brilliance, right? (laughs) Because I actually play music before my clubhouse starts. So I have music that I've sort of picked that sort of fits what my brand is. That's glorious. I have an intro for Clubhouse that has my podcast uh, intro music, intro outro music on the actual Clubhouse intro. So I play that before we start. And it it just it's it just it gives people the idea of who I am. So they they understand. One of my dear, dear friends and clients, Larry Olofsson of Power Songs, has Power Songs Pro, which is specifically for speakers and their ramp up music. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a personal Power Song, which he doesn't do anymore. So hair flip, I'm lucky. But that's <laughs> like my personal ramp up song. And then sure. there's the the ramp up the audience song. And, and it really is an extension of my brand. So mm-hmm. for you, sound branding, audio branding, yep. it is adding a layer to the logo, right? So everybody always says to me, well, what is a brand? And I'm like, it's not a logo. A brand is not just a logo. A brand is not just your colors. A brand is not just your tagline, right? It's all of these pieces together and more. Mm -hmm. And when you're including the emotion powerhouse of sound or your own voice as sound, 
you know, that's mm-hmm. a sound. Um, yeah. it, it can just be so enriching. Why do you think that audio is, especially in the age of nonstop video, which has pros and cons, um, mm-hmm. and includes audio, right? But, yeah. um, why do you think audio is sort of neglected in brands? I think it's because it's kind of a subconscious thing. And and I think that people just don't think about it. It surrounds them. It's around them every day. They're experiencing it all over. Yeah. But because it's so easy to concentrate on other things while you're listening, that's a pro and a con. Yeah. <laughs> so so what ends up happening is you can listen to a podcast while you're doing the dishes or while I you're do. folding the laundry or while you're having a walk or while you're commuting, right? It's harder to do that with video. So you have to sit down and actually focus only on that video. And that's what you're doing in that moment. So television watching, Netflix watching, you know, Disney Plus, whatever it is, your Apple TV, whatever you have on, you're concentrating on it. And that's all you're doing. And I think because audio is so easy to put into the background, it gets second shrift. Mm. And, And I don't know necessarily that that's, I don't think that's a good thing, but at the same time, I understand why it happens. And then also, I think that because sound is something that you can do while you're doing other things and because our lives are so full of multitasking, I think it just audio just hits where we need it to be. It fills it. It fills in all those spaces that we have available instead of us needing to make room in our day for it. So like I said, that's a pro and a con, right? So it works in the favor of audio, but it depends on what your mood is at the time, right? (laughs) Well, and I think that's also a huge part of the ongoing conversation happening in the podcast world right now is should we lean into the fact that we're a versatile medium that can be multitasked to Mm -hmm. or should we command more video presence to get that full engagement or do we provide both options, right? And for me... I listen to podcasts voraciously, but I listen to podcasts when I do those exact things you said, when I do the laundry, when I do the dishes, when I drive, mm-hmm. right? It's it's not let me sit down like my dad. Hi, daddy. My dad will listen to this podcast at his computer and stare at an audiogram. He is the <laughs> only person I know who will watch uh-huh. an audiogram for an hour. I'm like, dad, you could go do other things. You could yeah. still put headphones on. It's okay. But some people just want that sedentary experience. And I'm not providing something for that. But most of us are on the go. And most of our clients are living these busy lives. So if we're giving them something that they can tap into, sink into, and enjoy without requiring full commitment, yeah, there are cons there, but that's really tangible. And then back to the hold music, uh, we become the earworm. We're like, yes. who just said that crazy thing the other day? Oh, that was Jody. Oh, that was so good. I got to go back and listen to more of that, right? We become the earworm. Mm-hmm. Instead yeah. of yeah, right or whatever that. Oh, oh my god. god, I know that music off by heart. Right. <laughs> so yeah. what random side tangent here? Just because I'm curious, and I think a lot of people who are social media adventurous need mm-hmm. to know. You're still on Clubhouse. What the hell is happening over there? 
Uh, you know, it, it all depends on how you use it. Uh, I think a lot of people have gone away because they were sort of dabbling and it didn't really do anything for them and they didn't know what to do with it. And so they just kind of were, oh, this is a fad. I'll go away. But, you know, I use it to sort of supplement my podcast. Mm -hmm. So in a way, social social audio is kind of that thing that lets people step out of your audience and actually engage with you. So the, the, the interesting thing about podcasting is that it's a very uh, passive medium, right? You're sitting there listening and to get someone to do something after they listen to a podcast is really hard <laughs> because they don't want to be engaged. They're no. already engaged listening. That's the most you can ask from them. <laughs> and their hands are all pruny from doing dishes. Exactly. They're doing other things. They may not be able to take notes. You know, they may want to take notes later. Maybe they'll listen again. You never know. But it's kind of not your business. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> whatever they want to do with that podcast, it's totally up to them. And it's one of those things where they can do it whenever they want. And them being asked to do something after they do that or during is going to kind of fall on, uh, you know, like it's not going to be appreciated as much as it could right. be if you were actually in a physical location with a person. So because because they're just sitting back and it's it's one of these things that's being thrown at them and they do what they want to do with it. So mm -hmm. I've never thought of podcasting as something that you can engage people with. You mm -hmm. can and you can't. Right. It's 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 really hard to get people to actually go outside of that podcast and do something. It's not so, a call in radio show at no. best. You can respond to someone asynchronously, right? Yeah. So you can get a voicemail or you can get an email and you can respond to that on air. But there mm -hmm. is not that immediate interaction. And so when I was back yeah. on Clubhouse, when everybody was, what I really loved about it, it was the closest thing to feeling like Fraser Crane. It was the closest thing yes. to feeling like... I had a radio show and I could yeah. talk and I could talk to people in real time and then mm -hmm. they would leave and I would talk to someone else. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it for the interactivity. Mm -hmm. I just got as an introvert, I got really intimidated when suddenly my entire clubhouse hallway was a bunch of topics that I was like, I don't even know why these things are in my hallway and I don't know. Uh, I don't even look. I don't I, I, even look. Uh, it has a lot to do with who you're following. So if you're yeah. following a lot of people and they're following those people that have the stuff in the hallway that, you know, you may or may not be interested in, then you're going to see it. But at the same time, you don't have to go in any of those rooms. It's a hallway. Yep. It's a hallway. You, you can, yeah. You can do whatever you want. You can walk so, on by. You can walk on by. Exactly. So what I do is I use Clubhouse very deliberately and I am mm -hmm. there Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern for an hour. And I'm there Thursdays, 2 p.m. Eastern for an hour. And that's it. it. That's it. And I very clearly say what the topic is going to be. It's not, you know, let's just talk about stuff. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's very clear what the topic of conversation is. And I'll have guests. And the thing about having guests is that anyone who follows those guests also gets a notification that that room is going to happen. Yeah. So it kind of it snowballs. Yeah. And yeah. So so I find like I have regular podcast discussions. In fact, next Wednesday at 2 p.m., I have a podcast discussion with Larry Roberts and Mark Ronick and um, Jemmy and and like that's going to be a lot so of people fun. that, you know. Yeah. And yeah. And it, it really is. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. Jemmy's amazing. Good to know. 
good to know that Clubhouse is live and well. I think I'll pop back over there and see. I think you should. I got a little intimidated and left, but it's easy for me to get platform intimidated. Yeah, you, you have to be very limited in what you do over there. Right. But the point of it, the point of what I was doing over there was to supplement actually speaking with the people who listen to my podcast. So it it became a way to engage with people who were listening to the podcast and didn't really know how to engage with me otherwise and were a little intimidated and didn't want to email me or whatever. It adds that interactivity in the moment. Yes. Brilliant. And now I'm like, I miss that. I got to go back (laughs) over there. If you want to do anything about sound, Annie, just by all means, let me know. We'll have a room. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm in. I'll be there. I'm there. I'll be there later today. Okay. So one of the main things I hear from people that are um, mic shy is they'll say, oh, I could never do a podcast or I'm afraid about podcast guesting or do I have to listen to my own voice because they're like, I hate listening to me. So I know you must get that all the time. What do you say to the, I hate my own voice people? I think that you need to get used to it. I think that a lot of people hear their voice in their own head and it sounds different when it's recorded. And I totally get that. So yeah. you listen to your recorded voice and you're like, ooh, is that me? Ugh. Okay. Uh, I, you have to get used to it. Um, as far as voiceover is concerned, there is a place for any voice. Really. There seriously mm. is. It just depends on what genre, what you want to do, what training you have, etc. There is a place for every voice. As, and I think that's the same thing stands for podcasting. Yep. I think that really it depends on what you want to say. And if you want to say it, then you have a passion behind your voice that people are going to key into. And it really doesn't matter what the sound of your voice is. No, I love that. They're listening for the passion. Yeah. And the Ooh. topic. If it's a topic they're interested in and they like you personally, they're going to listen. That's true. If I can watch, what, 75 seasons of The Nanny and yeah. love every second of it, yeah, it's because the passion and the topic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if people can listen to 110 episodes of me going, ah, then yes. <laughs> we. No, but I think that's true is, is I, I think that's part of the reason why I, with my very nasal, very broad, very Midwestern voice, a, that's just me, and and I'm used to that, and I grew up as an actor, so I've heard a whole lot of me. Mm-hmm. But I yep. think when I hear myself, I hear my passion, mm-hmm. and that's what I've trained myself to listen for. And so I love that even that as a directive is like when you are being self-critical, ask yourself first, did I bring the passion here? Did I deliver? Yes the passion here and then maybe critique your performance. If you're stuck in glottal fry or you need Mm -hmm. to, you know, make your mouth a little bit more wet or less wet or whatever, then that's a fixable thing. But rather than be like, oh, my lisp is terrible today, as it often is, like, did (laughs) I bring the passion? Did I really get in there and, and relay what I was trying to relay? So I think that's such a gorgeous guidepost is like, be less critical about how you sound and more critical about what you're bringing. Again, it's that emotional context we've been exactly. talking about. Well, Aww. as an actor, as an actor, you know this as well. And in voice acting, it's the same thing. If you feel it, your voice will follow. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. really, and and in in voice acting, especially right now, and in a lot of different contexts, 
it's all about authenticity. And you're not going to be authentic if you're concentrating on what your voice sounds like all the time. <laughs> you're just not. You're not. And and it doesn't matter how pretty or gorgeous or like awful you think your voice is. Either way, if you're paying too much attention to how your voice sounds, you're not going to get the passion across. You're not going to get that authenticity. So you just need to let it flow. For that, I always think about uh, Singing in the Rain, where Lena Lamont is getting voice training and they're trying mm -hmm. to get her to use round tunes, round tunes. <laughs> and she's trying so hard, but she can't do it authentically. Mm -hmm. And so it comes out this garbled mess. She's supposed to be using round tones. And so she's like, oh, Pierre, you should not come. Like, you can't do it because it's not authentic. If I did no. an entire podcast in my sweet, sweet tones. Thank you all for listening to Too Legitimate to Quit. I am your host. <laughs> Y'all would be like, I'm bored. What is this? <laughs> who, who is this? I don't well, we like could this. use it for sleeping. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I could hit up Katie Kramitos and be like, excuse me, can I be on the Women Meditation Network? But that's yeah. not what this show is, <laughs> right? This is not yeah. meditation. This is some business strategy up in yeah. here. So if you're so, going to find your own unique voice, let it flow. That's that's you. There's There's nothing you have to put on. You don't have to worry about that. It, your voice doesn't have to be perfect either. There's oh. no no place for perfection. <laughs> no, just get it. Just get it out there, right? We mm -hmm. need to hear you. Yeah. We need to hear you. Oh, man. Oh, especially people that are writers. I think we forget because a lot of um, audio branding is uh, unscripted. Stuff like podcasts where we're like, maybe we have an outline, maybe we don't, or maybe I'm, I'm on Clubhouse and I'm riffing, right? But but one of the things I haven't done, and you and I were talking about in the pre-chat, is I have not yet started the process of recording The Coach Who Would Not Sell. And I'm so excited about that because I've never heard anyone say my words other than me reading it to people or very dorkily when the book came out, my mom read my own book to me, which was the cutest <laughs> oh, that's moment great. of my life, right? But, what a sweet thing to do. Oh my God, it was gorgeous. <laughs> I like wept the whole time. I was just like, this is the best story time of my own book. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I'm excited about adding that emotional context and element to my writing because when I write, I hear it in my head as I know sure. a lot of authors do. Mm -hmm. And, and so what do you have to say out there to authors or to people who write? So my authors, my bloggers, my essayists, what do you have to say to them about incorporating audio to their work? I think it it depends on whether you want to do it yourself or whether you want to hire someone to do it for you. There's mm -hmm. differences in both. And I think it depends on what your brand is. If your brand is very definitely you, Mm -hmm. then maybe you want to read your own audiobook. But it, it it there's a lot of different contexts. I would say that the audio can be just as important as the written word and it's worth exploring, definitely. I love a good audiobook. I just uh -huh. do. And again, I it's one do. of those sound things that can fit into the different places of your multitasking life, right? So you just open it up for someone to be able to experience your words in a 
in the places it'll fit into their life, as opposed to them having to, like a video, focus on sitting and reading. Yeah, that's true. Oh, one more tip for people who hate their voices. When you're <laughs> podcasting or audiobooking, you can change the playback speed. So you can make yourself sound really, really ridiculous first by making it go really, really fast or really, <laughs> really slow. So you can kind of laugh your way into it. If you crank that puppy up, like the very first time, I'm talking about my parents a lot today. Hi, mom and dad. The very <laughs> first time my mom listened to this show, she accidentally listened to it on two times speed. Oh. <laughs> and Diane Winger, my very first guest, has this very like grand, vast presence. Mm -hmm. And I'm me. So at two times speed, Diane talks at normal speed. And I talk at crack cocaine speeds. <laughs> And, and my mom was like, Annie, you need to slow down. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I really thought I was doing okay. And then I looked at my mom's phone and I'm like, mom, you're listening to me on two. But now I listen to me on two sometimes and it's hysterical because again, I can only listen for the passion when mm -hmm. I'm hearing my voice go by. I'm like, I'll hear me be like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, that was passionate. Hold on. Let me slow down and hear what that is. Right. So yeah, y'all, if you have to muppet yourself, sometimes it helps. Yep. That could definitely Speaking work. of transforming into characters for joy. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. That was a clunker. Well, actually, we could talk about it in the context of improv. Okay. Okay. Because, yes. There we go. All yeah, right. That, that does work. Passion. <laughs> Voices, improv, yes. embodying all mm -hmm. of it. Yep. You disclosed the most beautiful thing I've heard a human say in a long time to me in the pre-chat, which is that you have a tackle box of dice. And I, and I commend you on that. And it is an honor <laughs> to ask you, what does any of this have to do with Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> I think that improv is one of those things that a lot of people could do with, especially podcasters, because being able to be an active listener mm -hmm. and ask questions of your guests and understand what they're talking about when they speak to you and knowing where to take the context of what they're saying and spin it into something else, which yeah. we just did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Luckily, so, but yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, when you allow your your imagination to go run wild, that it helps. And theater of the mind is a wonderful thing. I think that's that's play for adults. Like I I think of D and D as play for adults. Oh, absolutely. That's, yeah. A I mean, it's for billion. anybody. It is right. for anybody. Anybody can do it. I know um, friends of mine who have like you know five year old. Uh, sons who yeah. they they've introduced to D and D yeah. and the stuff those kids come up with is really hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but their minds are like not they haven't been tamped down. They're like no. completely free to uh, decide what is going to happen with that character, and so are the adults that play this game. So it can be very freeing. It can be very group dynamic, helpful. Um, mm -hmm. Learning how to to accomplish a goal with a, with several other people who may be at odds with you at some point or, you know, working out what's good for one person so that the rest can help. And then you get turned around and you help them, you know, that kind of thing. So group dynamics and figuring out a goal amongst many different people, working together, using theater of the mind, using your imagination. I think D&D &D is great for that. And I encourage yeah. any adult who wants to 
tap into their imagination to look for something. And it's much easier these days, too, because you can find groups online really yeah. pretty easily. And you can I mean, there's there's not that I would want you to do this because I just told y'all <laughs> I'm very jealous of her collection. But like you can you can not even roll. You could push a button to roll for you, you if totally you need can. to. Right. Like yep. that's up to you. That's your prerogative. If you want to do it, go ahead. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I love that. And and I think one thing that I love about D&D is that so I always play as the world's worst bard. <laughs> that's her fun. name is yeah. Celine Dijon and she is terrible uh freaking awful um and uh, her Celine's one of Celine's gifts is that she railroads people so what I'm gonna say is like super ironic because when there's all these tender diplomacy situations uh enroll Celine and she will just scream sing over all of you to just make everyone irritated and forget what they were upset about uh which is surprisingly accurate right but uh-huh. but even though her special skill is steamrolling um, what I love about D&D is that everyone has their own turn. Yes. And that you do things in turn. So mm-hmm. Celine is a steamroller, but I can't steamroll the game. Yeah. A, the dungeon master wouldn't let me. B, it would be rude to the dungeon master's storytelling to do so. And also, yeah. I'm not playing by myself. And I think so many of us in our thought leadership are not collaborating often and so when Mm -hmm. we get the opportunity to collaborate it's almost like peopling after covid we don't quite know how to do it (laughs) yes yeah and it's like take turns yes take turns stop talking for a little while yeah take turns it's it's collaborative storytelling and so yeah that's what makes it so great it's like a choose your own adventure but you have other people playing with you it's fun and sometimes you hate their choices and that makes it even better where you're it does it does it it's the nth degree of yes and (laughs) it really really is it is because it forces us to see impossibility yes and adapt in the moment right it's that that improv nature I was talking to a friend of mine who is an opera director and I was talking about how theater people make great, especially stage managers, make great event organizers and project managers for software because they are used to being like, crisis, can't panic about it, got to find my way through it, call in the personnel, talk about it, fix it on on the fly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so back to Frasier, which is not our pop culture topic, but, you know, <laughs> when when they would get a weird caller, Frasier and Roz would have to improv and deal with mm-hmm. it in real time and get the person off the phone and and fix the show. And and so was we all right. If yep. if somebody rolls a critical fail, which in entrepreneurship happens all a the lot. time. <laughs> yes. We got to re-strategize, you know, yes. we got to be like, oh, that was our biggest hope. And now they're at the bottom of a ravine and. Crap. You know, uh, I think there's one other thing to mention about this, too, and that yeah. is that um, you aren't going to get along with everybody. So mm. when you're in a collaborative storytelling situation like that and someone isn't playing with everyone else or yeah. they're railroading things deliberately or they're not paying attention or they're, you know, there are certain people that you are not going to get along with. And that's OK. You can choose to go elsewhere, <laughs> yeah. but recognizing that that person is not going to work with that collaboration is also a skill. 
And so I, I, I think that people need to keep in mind that you don't have to like everybody. <laughs> and you don't have to collaborate with everybody. And you don't, exactly. You don't have to collaborate with everybody. So just knowing yourself, what you like and don't like, I think ends up happening in a situation like D&D because you understand who you can play with and who you can't. Right. Well, I think that's so interesting because not that I'm going to like paint the super broad brushstroke that all of us were relentlessly bullied as children. However, a lot of I us, would, I'm there with you. <laughs> a lot of us are very unusual people who mm-hmm. have unusual talents and therefore have been othered throughout our lives. And so sure. it may feel gross to feel like you're rejecting collaborations with other people. We're not Mm -hmm. saying you got to be a bully. You got to reject people. You got to break them down. We're not saying you have to traumatize folks, but you do need boundaries. You are Mm -hmm. so cool and such a precious commodity that now you get to choose who comes to play with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You get to choose and you get to choose how you show up in that area and you get to choose your portion of what you're co-creating and what responsibility you want to take for that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you only learn these things through collaboration. So it's your lunch table now. It's your terms. Yeah. Yeah. So you learn who you who you want to play with and you learn who you don't want to play with. And everyone has different criteria for that. So, you know, I'm not here to say that someone should like or dislike something for a particular w- reason I might think of. Right. But, yeah. But whatever, you learn your boundaries. I think that's well, what, yeah. ha- what happens. Yeah. But I think that's so key is people are like, well, I work for everyone because I don't want to disclude anyone and everyone could benefit from my work. And it's like, well, then you're being so generalist that no mm-hmm. one knows they should sit with you. Yes. Right. Like yeah. when yeah. we're so openly inclusive, we don't actually include anyone. If we set mm-hmm. the boundaries, then we bring in the right people. We hold those right people. We foster those right people. And then the collaboration takes on a life of its own because you and I are both bringing our best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes it's just our super best nerdery. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. When did you start playing d and I was 18. And uh, that was a long, long time ago. <laughs> I was 32. And that was also surprisingly a long time ago. Right. But, but that also shows like it's, it's a timeless game. It works for everybody. Yep. I started in second edition. So yeah. Wow. Pretty, pretty long ago. Pretty wow. Long ago. Yeah. yeah. Now you sound like my husband, Ryan, who's like, well, in 4.5, the rules are here, <laughs> but in three, the rules were here. And I'm like, thank you, Mr. Historian of the, oh my of goodness. the monster manuals of your. I, I missed uh, D&D 4 because they kind of went to a version where they wanted you to be in a video game. So it was almost like they were yeah. like very heavy on the miniatures and all. Right. Okay. That was like my Windows Vista. Like I, <laughs> I, 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 I totally missed the whole thing and just went past it. No. <laughs> Not for me. No, yeah. thank you. I, I'll, I'll keep playing D&D and not whatever that is. Yeah. Right? yeah. But again, you're like, that's not for me. Yep. I reject yeah. that. That is not for me. Well, I was still playing in person with yeah. a group that I'd been with for, I don't know, 20 years at that time, probably. Wow. And yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, yeah, we just didn't enjoy it. We just no. didn't enjoy that one. So we sort of passed it See, by. See, but and- that's also an entrepreneurial lesson. 
You don't have to go with the trends if you don't enjoy them. And if you mm-hmm. do enjoy them, hang out. You're still on Clubhouse because it's still great for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a trend I abandoned that I should probably go back to, right? Like I should pick my dice back up and get back over on Clubhouse. You never know. Yeah. You um, never know. I- I think that it depends on how deliberate you're going to be. So the reason that it the reason that it works for me is because I'm very deliberate about how I use it and how I use it on behalf of others. So the idea is that I'm there for an hour. I'm not there for an afternoon. I'm not there for a whole day. Like, because when we started, that, I don't know if you remember Clubhouse, oh it was like these God. rooms that never ended. I lived. <laughs> I was like, I can't imagine anything like other than just sitting here like I binged. But no, I love the boundaries. Again, we're talking yeah, about boundaries. Boundaries. Exactly. Yes. Oh, so I'm it. there for an hour and I'm, you know, two days on the week. I'm there for an hour. And uh, and you're actually, creating it for them. Again, it's yes. deliberate intent within boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, entrepreneurship, deliberate intent within boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I freaking love there it. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I've taken up more of your time than I asked for. So I got two more quick questions for you. <laughs> sure. The first one is uh, D&D for anybody that hasn't played. Number one, what are you mm-hmm. doing? Go play. Uh, yeah. But also for you, uh, D&D, you have every character has their moves. So yeah. they have spells or they have attacks that they can do. Uh, you are a voice professional. So you spend all day talking into a mic and doing beautiful things with that. If you <laughs> could take a spell or an attack out of D&D into your real world so that you could use it for your job, what would you pick? For my job? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I'd use this for my job, but there's a there's a bard spell called Dissonant Whispers that, you oh, know, it's the best. I like. I just oh, yeah. love that spell. It's so effective. It's so bitchy. <laughs> it's so psychologically bitchy. For those of you who don't know, Dissonant Whispers is like you can point at someone and immediately put your bitchy, bitchy voice in their head. That'd be so great to do with clients. It's a, it's a psychological, like telepathic kind of attack. <laughs> yeah. And I just, you know, having that kind of power, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of cool. I wouldn't want it in real life, to be honest. I want it in real life. I want it in real life for my clients so that when they're on their <laughs> sales calls and they start to be like, yo, I mean, I could discount that for you. They hear me in their head go, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. good. It's, it's a cool spell. Perfect answer. And uh, now that I've terrified everyone that I I would love to scream in my clients' ears at all times. Wow, weird choice. Uh, What is the best way for our listeners to start a conversation with you? Obviously, hang out with you on Clubhouse. You gave them the times. But how else can they get in touch? Uh, My website is at voiceoversandvocals.com. And I have a bunch of stuff on there that you can reach out to me from. So all my contact information is there. If you're interested in the podcast, which is at audiobrandingpodcast.com, there's a lot of stuff to listen there about the power of sound. And uh, the Clubhouse Club that I have is called The Power of Sound. So if you look that up, you'll see all the things that are on the schedule that are upcoming. And yeah, uh, I have a newsletter and and everything. People are ready and I'm waiting to hear from you. (laughs) Well, thank you for all the glittery, sparkly dice that you have brought (laughs) in audio today. Um, You have made my bardic heart so 
so happy. And <laughs> I, when we were at PodFest and we talked about you coming on the show and you said d and I was like, finally! <laughs> so thank you for uh, the nerdgasm of today and for bringing all your brilliance to the show. <laughs> happy to do that. I'll go back to my hoard now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, I'll be back in just a second with my final thought and your homework for this week. Well, hey there. You remember those things that you do once or twice and it's instant love and you just think, yes, this is it. This is the strategy that's going to propel me to great heights. This is the thing I've been looking for. And then another fad or trend or suggestion comes along and that thing you really loved, eh, it gets reprioritized. That was Clubhouse for me. And to be honest, my life has been a little bonkers since we recorded this episode. Mostly good things. Don't you worry about me. I have not yet returned to Clubhouse, but that's my homework for this week. Your homework for this week is to return to something that you once loved, but maybe forgot about. Have you neglected your email newsletter or maybe just a certain email you used to send? Have you gone off a platform that was right for you or attended a networking event regularly only to see it slip away from your calendar? Maybe it's time to go back. You don't have to commit long term. You don't have to say, yes, I promise to go to that networking group every month for six months. Or yes, I will spend at least two hours on Clubhouse every day this week. Just dip the toe. Explore a little. And don't forget to have fun. Bring a co-creative, collaborative energy and be discerning about what's for you and what's not for you. And also who you're for and who you're not for. But get in there, explore, experiment, and discover once and for all if maybe that long-lasting love deserves a second chance on your calendar. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode kept you laughing and learning, I have two requests for you. First, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on your platform, so you never miss an episode. And also, more importantly, if you are looking for support, inspiration, networking, collaborations, or just a chance to hang out with me, Annie P. Ruggles, and our fantastic guests, make sure that you are a member of our LinkedIn community, The Legitimati. It is a weird and wonderful place. I can't even believe it's on LinkedIn, and we want you there. You'll find the link in the show notes. Big shout out, as always, to the fabulous dudes who helped me make this show. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My theme composer, Riley Horbasio, And my show art creator, Francois Vigno. See you next time. <laughs>